Welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Jerry with the message. So for the past few weeks, we've been in our Kingdom Justice series talking about how we need to be people who do justice the way that God intends that it's done. And Derek has talked about how there has been two different sides of Christianity, maybe a debate, a historical debate about whether we as Christians should focus more on God's love and his payment for sin, or if we should focus more on doing God's justice in the world, making sure that people have their needs met and that people who don't have rights are given the rights that they deserve. But what we've really been seeing is that rather than having two separate sides, this is supposed to be what we do together. That we should be people who very intentionally um, display God's love in the world through making sure that people get what they need that people's needs are met and that everyone has the same rights. And it's really important that we do that in a way that shows God's love. Ooh, sorry, Danny. Shows God's love and tells people about the freedom that Jesus offers us in paying for our sin. And so this is really just a way to hold both of these two things together as part of the same good news that Jesus offers us. So we're not either or, it's really both and. And the scripture verse that's held that together is Micah 6, 8. This has been our overarching verse of this series. And it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And we've been talking about a book, or we've used this book a lot, or I have, at least in this sermon, by Tim Keller. It's called Generous Justice. And so if you are interested, if you want to hear more about what it means to do justice God's way, I would really recommend this book. It looks like this. It's little. It's not that long. Um, And I'm going to quote from Tim Keller quite a bit because he's way smarter than me. So why wouldn't I? Um, But as we read that, What Tim Keller says in his book is that if we look back at the Hebrew words and what that meant, another way to translate Micah 6.8 would be that we need to be people who walk with God, and in order to do that, we must do justice out of merciful love. It's important that we not only care for those who are in need, but we do it with love as our only motivation. I think sometimes we do it, maybe love is one of our motivations, but I think often we're moved by multiple motivations. I have a little story that sort of illustrates this from my own life. Um, A couple years ago, I was driving my car, and typically whenever I get to a stop sign or an intersection and there's a pedestrian, I'll wave them across. I'll tell them to go ahead because I don't really know why I do that, because I'm a nice lady maybe. Um, I want to make sure that they get where they're going, okay? So I'll stop at a stop sign and, you know, say, go ahead. Um, So I did that. I stopped at a stop sign. There was a lady who was on the phone at the stop sign. Um, She was wearing a hijab, so I assumed that she was Muslim. 
regardless if she was Muslim or not, I would have waved her across. So I stop at the stop sign and I say, go ahead. And she comes over and gets in my car. <laughs> Still on the phone the whole time. So she gets in my car and I'm like, oh, what's happening? Um, I didn't say anything. I just looked over at her and she says to the person that she's talking to on the phone, this nice lady is going to give me a ride to my house. And I was like, I guess that's what I'm doing. So she talked on the phone the entire time while giving me instructions to her house. So I drive this lady home. She's telling me she's talking in another language on the phone, and then she'll stop and talk to me in English to tell me how to get to her house. Um, so I take her to her house. She gets out, and she, she's still on the phone. She says, thanks, and then she's gone. And I sat there for a minute like, well, yeah, exactly. What just, what just happened to me? <laughs> and what I really recognized in that moment, and as I have reflected back on that moment, is that I was offering her something. I was letting her cross the street. But that interaction cost me more than I had intended it to cost me. And when she got in my car, I had to ask myself, Am I willing to pay this cost? Because this is actually what's going to help her. This is her need at the moment. Am I willing to meet her need? Or was I just willing to let her cross in front of me? I had maybe accounted for the few seconds or maybe two minutes that at most that it would take her to cross the street. But when she got in my car, I didn't know where she lived. So now it's maybe 10 or 15 minutes, could be a half an hour. I don't I don't know how much this is going to cost me. And if I'm being really, really honest, I was a little frustrated that I had offered something and then she had taken more than I had offered. And I had to think about that. What was my motivation? Did I really want to help, help this lady in the way that she needed to be helped? Or did I just want to feel like a nice lady? who lets people cross in front of them in the street. And so I think we all have moments like this where we recognize what we are willing to do or what's comfortable for us to do. And then sometimes we're met with the fact that that actually is not the need that needs to be met. That maybe the actual need is a lot more than we're willing to pay. I think we live in a society that can make it really easy for us to help people in a way that's comfortable for us. Now, I'm not saying that buying people Christmas presents or food or any of the things that we do that actually is pretty easy for us, I'm not saying that those things are bad. They are really, really good. But I think we have to think about what our motivation is for doing the things that we do. Are we doing what we should do? Are we doing what Jesus asks us to do? Another example in my life that I see very clearly is that at stores, often, the grocery store, they'll ask you, do you want to round up for this whatever charity? And what I find in myself is that if it's a machine asking me, I will say no. If it's a person asking me, I will always say yes. Because what is the, really the motivation there for my 35 cents? Right, it's not a lot that I'm paying. What is the motivation there? The motivation is I don't want you to judge me and you're a person, so yes, 
I'll do it. I'm a nice lady. But it's really easy for me to not do it when there's a mission. I can just hit no. No one knows, right? And so these are just little examples throughout our lives that I think maybe resonate with you to say it's not enough to just do the right thing, to do what we should do. It's really, really important to us, or to Jesus, that we look at our motivation and our hearts for why we do things. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus says that he's come to fulfill the law of the Old Testament. And so you see him say in the New Testament, you've heard it said, but I say to you, really what he's doing is saying, you've heard it said, this Old Testament rule, but what I say to you, he drills it deeper down to a heart issue. For instance, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21, he basically says, you've heard it said don't murder in the Old Testament, but I say to you, don't even be angry with a brother or sister, that that's really the motivation behind murder. He does this also where it pertains to justice and mercy. Micah 6, 8 tells us to do justice and mercy and love, while Jesus, throughout the New Testament, sort of really drills down to the heart issue and fleshes out what that really looks like or what that might cost us that we're not aware of. Jesus calls us to a depth of love that isn't just a matter of good behavior. It costs us something. It's weighty. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to move forward. Come Holy Spirit. So thankful that you're alive and active, that you have been present with us this morning. And I pray, Lord, that you would continue to be present with us, that you would help me to say just what I should say. And God, that your word would um, speak to people's hearts in a way that's never shameful or condemning, but is loving and invitational. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to look at Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14 specifically. What's happening here is that Jesus is at a party. Jesus goes to lots of parties. I don't know if you knew that. He likes to party. Um, That's kind of why I like him, part of the reason. But Jesus is at a party in the home of a Pharisee. And if you don't know, the Pharisees are people who were known for following the rules. Pharisees would have had to memorize the entire Old Testament. And not only that, but they followed it to the letter. They were rule, probably all firstborns. They were all rule followers. They always did what was right. And they really prided themselves on doing that. And so because they memorized all of the Old Testament, they would have known things like Deuteronomy 24, verse 17, which says, do not deprive the foreigner or the fatherless of justice or take the cloak of a widow as pledge. Or Deuteronomy 14, verses 28 through 29, which really just says to make sure that foreigners, widows, and orphans are always fed. These are rules that they would have memorized, and that would have been a part of their daily life. They were doing the right things. If we looked at their behavior, we would have said, yep, they're doing it. They're doing the right things, always doing the right things, no matter what. But Jesus takes this opportunity, as he's among all these Pharisees who are doing the right thing, to really drill down to the heart of the issue. 
What really is the motivation for the things that they were doing? Are they really doing justice and mercy God's way? He says it's not enough to do the right things, that his followers must do the right things for the right reason, which is much more difficult. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 through 14 say, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be paid repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. So Jesus is taking an Old Testament principle, which is care for those who are unable to care for themselves and driving it again deeper to the heart issue. Not enough to simply serve the less fortunate. Jesus calls us to be with them. Timothy Keller says that Jesus in his incarnation, when Jesus came to earth, he moved in with the poor. And he invites his followers to do the same. It's not enough that we sit in our own comfort and serve for a couple hours. He's asking us, Jesus is really asking us to take on the burden of the poor. Take on the burden of the marginalized and sit with them in their pain. It can be very uncomfortable for us. But that is what Jesus did. That's what he calls us to So you might not catch this because of the context shift. In first century, Christianity is very different from the way we do things now. But what happened at that time was that parties were thrown really in order to make connections. Yes, we would invite our friends, we would invite our family, but the point was to make lucrative connections so that we could make business deals, so we could improve our social or financial standing. We would invite people who are higher up the food chain than us so that we could get in with them, so that we could show them how lavish a party we could throw, and so we would then be invited to their party, sort of as an obligation. We would do this to improve the way we're seen. You can see this in historical books or TV dramas, right? You see where the family throws a ball every season so that they can, in effect, get their daughters married well or make good business partners. We've seen that kind of thing before. This is the same thing that's happening in first first century Christianity. And so you're giving of your time and your money and your effort. You're giving, but really it's in order to get something back sort of expecting that it's going to pay off for you. Something that I heard that I thought was really interesting as I was researching, John Stott said, real disinterested goodness is rare indeed. So much of what we do is colored by the hope, if not the intention, that it may in some way work out for our own benefit. This is human nature that so much of what we do may be motivated by really good things, we're hoping that it will in some way pay off for us, 
two for one, right? I love a good two for one, that I can help somebody, but then I also look good or to alleviate some of my anxiety about the thing that I want to buy for myself. But Jesus says to the Pharisees and to everyone who will listen, because that's what he always does, yes, throw your parties and dinners. And what I love here is that he doesn't condemn that. He doesn't say, you should not throw this lavish party. You're spending too much money. That's not what Jesus says. Jesus says, yep, spend your money, spend your energy, but do it to honor the poor, not so that you can make something of it. And in essence, expect nothing in return. Do this to people who cannot repay you. Celebrate, honor, give your money and energy to those who can't give you anything back, and then God will bless you. This is the way that Jesus shows us to do justice with merciful love to those around us, and in particular, to those with no means or power. Again, Tim Keller says in his book, when Jesus said, don't invite your friends for dinner, he should not be taken literally any more than when he said, hate your father or your mother. Indeed, Jesus often ate meals in homes with his friends and peers. Rather, to put it in a more modern context, he is saying that we should spend far more of our money and wealth on the poor than we do on our own entertainment or on vacations or on eating out and socializing with important peers. I don't know about you, but that hurts me <laughs> to hear that. How much of my energy and my time and my money is spent on my comfort? How often am I spending more of myself on somebody else's comfort than mine? I think that's the question that Jesus is asking us to wrestle with this morning. And I think so often we look at serving the poor as something that we should do or that we ought to do. Even if we have an understanding of what Jesus has done for us, right? Jesus paid for our sin. Jesus welcomes us in. He offers us freedom. And so because of that, we owe him taking care of the poor. That's part of what he wants us to do. But what's true is that when we recognize how utterly poor and depraved we are, how morally bankrupt, broken, and incapable of saving ourselves we are, we look at another's pain or burden and we're moved by compassion to the sacrificial love of Jesus. It's only when we're in touch with what Jesus has done for us and how poor we actually are. No matter how much we have in our bank account, how unable to help ourselves we are. When we understand and grasp God's grace to us, then we can be moved to sacrificial love to the poor. Jesus spent everything he had on us. He took all of our sin, all of our gossip, all of our fudging the truth, all of our pretending to be better than we are, our mean thoughts, our name-calling of others, our desire to get people back for the way that they've wronged us, our desire for power and control, or our inability to have any control 
over our own thoughts and words. Jesus took all of that, everything that was poor or burdensome in us, and he gave us everything he had. His very being, he spent everything because of his deep love for us. It's only when we can get in touch with that that we can follow in love the way that Jesus does. This is the kind of sacrificial love that Jesus modeled is inviting us to. Now, if you're not a little bit uncomfortable to hear me say that, if you don't feel way out of your league to love in that way, there can be one of three things at play. Either you weren't listening to me, or maybe you're way holier than I am. Because if I look at myself, I know that's not where I'm at. Or maybe you have zero self-awareness. Think all of us, when we recognize that that is the kind of love, this self-sacrificial love of pouring yourself out, that is the kind of love that we're called to, we should look at that and think, man, I don't think I can do that. And what's true is that you can't. It's completely impossible for us to love people in that way, but it's completely possible with God's power and love filling us and compelling us to action. We can't love in our human abilities. We can't love people that way. But God offers us his power and his love, his ability to move in that direction. And I really believe that it's only that depth of love that can change the world. It's not just giving people a meal, which is great. Please give people a meal if they're hungry. It's not just buying people Christmas gifts. It's not just buying people food or visiting those who are sick. Those are all great things. But it's only as we're compelled by Jesus' great love and love the way that he does that the world can actually change in the way that we want to see it change. We need to be people who are empowered by the Holy Spirit, compelled by the love of Jesus to serve others and spend ourselves on their behalf. That only happens if we're fully aware that we are just as needy and have been saved by God's love and are given everything that we need in Jesus. We can give to the point of sacrifice when we're in touch with God's great love for us. Thank you again for choosing the Vineyard Altoona podcast. We're so excited to see how God will release his kingdom in and through you today for the glory of Jesus Christ. With this, be blessed, and we'll see you next time.